Good morning. Happy New Year. Um, got this little devotion. It's um, called 21 Days to Personal Breakthrough and Prayers from Scriptures. And on day two, I was reading um, the, the theme for the day, and it just just struck my heart so strongly and just has just been resonating, and it just felt like a word for us, and I wanted to share it. It's called Blessing and Favor Upon My Life. It says, I stand in awe of your faithfulness and your mercy, your faithful and merciful hand upon my life. Year after year, you are my hope, my future, my anchor. I believe your word that says your eyes are always upon me and upon my year and years to come. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, you watch every step I take, every prayer I pray, every trial I encounter. You fill my every day with your presence. You crown my year with your goodness. My paths drip with abundance. My decisions are protected by your grace and mercy. Your hand of blessing and favor rests mightily upon me this year. You surround me like a shield and defend me from my enemies. I know you have planned great things for my life, and my future is awesome because of you. This just struck my heart so much because in 2016, I had the worst year I can remember in my entire life. I lost my father just so much. I struggled at work. And then we had a tragedy befall our family that is one that we'll be living for the next decade. And it was just so traumatic. And I felt abandoned by God. I was like, God, where are you? How could you let this happen? I've prayed. I've done everything I know to do right. I changed my life. I turned my will over to you. And I tried to raise my family in the way that they should go. So in 2017, I was so glad they got here. And God gave me a word. It was about Emmanuel. God is with me. And I hung on to that word. I clung to it all year. And every time I had a hardship or a struggle or a day that I just couldn't get out of the dumps, I would say, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God, you were with me. God, you were with me. And then I was like kind of waiting on God. God, are you going to give me a word for this year? And then I read this. And it just felt like a word for year. Year after year, God has been there. He has been with me. And he, is, he has been in the good times and in the bad times. And I just, this 2016, I just didn't think there was going to be any way out of it. And then God showed me that there was. And I found joy. And then this year, holidays usually get me depressed. And this year that didn't happen because my focus wasn't on what was going on around me. My focus was on Jesus. And it just filled my heart for joy. So this is, I'm claiming this for a word for our church for this year. to me this morning and it just got confirmed through that song right there and it's Romans 5 5 it says now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us and just coming here shows a desire in your heart that God we want more of his love being poured out in our hearts and I was telling my niece Rachel she goes because I tell her I love you with all my heart. And she goes, well, how can you do that? I said, because I pour out all my love and God gives me more. You can pour out. And the more you pour out, the more he's going to pour in. I said, you can keep pouring and pouring and pouring. So I just was like, my all week, my whole week was, God, I need more of your love. I need more of your love, please. Please, I need more of your love because your love is what the world needs and it's what I need. So I just wanted to say, he is. He is. He's so pouring out his love right now. We just got to lift up our hearts and say, you know what? God, fill mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think... Uh, Husbands and uh, women that have given birth <clears throat> can, can relate to, uh, I feel like the Lord gave me a vision. When I started praying about 2018, instantly I was in a, uh, in a maternity ward. And uh, 
I don't know if you've ever been in a maternity ward or um, I can't say I've been pregnant, but I, I can honestly say that I've lived through four kids. So uh, I've been with my wife through these things. And I know the last month, have you ever noticed, women, the last month is the most miserable month. Okay, you can't get comfortable. You can't sleep. Uh, you know, and, and the thing that you're saying to yourself is, oh, Lord, let this kid come. Let this, let this be over. And then you think it's, you know, when you go into the maternity ward, you think, well, this is, this is it. But as a husband, I felt so useless. You know, my wife is in extreme pain, which I would, you know, um, would like to step in and just say, you know, I'll help you, I'll help, but you can't. She has to go through it. Just go through it. And it's some of the worst time and some of the worst pain. And in other rooms, you hear women, some women screaming, you know. And the Lord told me, he said, this is like whatever you have been going through, you've been pregnant in your 2017. Whatever you're here and what you've been struggling with and you've been crying out to God, God, deliver me from this thing. Deliver me from this thing. And God wants to let you know that whenever you see a picture of a woman giving birth, she's in extreme pain. But when they put that baby on her, she's got this glow. That's, that's supernatural, this glow. that She doesn't even feel the pain anymore. It's just the glow of that baby. And God is going to do something. You know, I proclaim His word. He's going to do something new. He's going to give birth to you and your situation, whatever it is, for 2018. And God wants you to declare it. He wants you to receive it. And you're going to be like that mother. You're going to be able to give a testimony in 2018 of how painful it was to give birth to this whatever it is. But now God has redeemed His people. God has given birth and given you a new deal. And we're going to feel it in 2018. That's a prophetic word. We're going to be released. We're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. And that's what God's doing. And He wants to know that, to let you know that He is birthing it for 2018. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I receive it, Norm. I receive it. Praise God. Amen. I needed that word. Thank you. You know, it is so encouraging when members of the body of Christ are obedient to God and step up here to open mic and speak forth the things that God has put on their heart to share with the congregation because they have no idea who God wants to touch with that word. But God always wants to touch someone with that word. Thank you, Jesus. I have an interesting word for you going into 2018, too. God started stirring it in my, in my heart early this morning. God is perfect, but we are not. We can't be perfect. Trying to be perfect is a tool of the enemy because the enemy will beat you over the head with it when you fail, when you fall short. God wants you to strive for excellence, excellence in the faith, excellence in your walk with him. It's different than perfection. Perfection can mess with you. So for 2018, strive for excellence. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a first-time visitor here this morning, we'd like to take a moment and welcome you. Our ushers have a information packet they'd like to get into your hands. So if you'd be so kind as to raise your hand up, they'll work their way around to you and, and drop that packet off to you. And also in the seat back in front of you, you'll see a little card. And if you could fill that out for us and drop it in the offering bag when it comes by, that would be great. That will give us a chance to be able to reach out to you with information about the things you're interested in. 
also, anyone in the congregation who has a prayer request, uh, these cards are used for prayer requests. I encourage you to use them. Also, at this time of year, you've probably, some of you received an email, and some of you um, will see it in your bulletin that it says that your year-end statements are already available online. That is not true. That was, that was a mistake by me. I w- was in the system and trying to go through and verify things, and I hit the wrong button, and it sent out a statement, to er- you know, an email to everybody that we have your email in the system saying, hey, your statements are ready. Well, that was like four or five days ago. So no, th- today is actually the last day of giving for 2017. So those statements will be redone in the next two weeks. We takes a little bit of time to sort through things. So encourage you, if you have not logged into the system and you got an email last year saying that you could create a login, I encourage you to do that so you can log in and get your information. And uh, well, we have an exciting week coming up this week. We're going to Thrive is back on on Wednesday, and Denise is going to be speaking. Uh, she'll be speaking on um, fasting. And we're encouraging everyone in the church to join together and pick a day or two during that first week to fast. Uh, We know everybody's schedules are a little bit different, so it doesn't always work to fast Monday and Tuesday or, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. So whatever works for your schedule, uh, fast, uh, join the church in fasting. And uh, Denise is going to be speaking about fasting. I think I already said that. So I encourage you to do that. Also, we have the barrel for the food bank. And uh, I encourage you uh, to bring food. It's still here, so they won't be picking it up probably for another couple of weeks. And I encourage you to bring that. Um, We're going to have a guest speaker coming up on the 10th of January, and that's Mike Heron. Some of you have been here when Mike was here before. Uh, That is going to be an awesome time with Mike. I encourage you uh, to come out for that and invite your friends, uh, your neighbors. It's going to be really good. Um, I have a couple no other notes here I wanted to bring up. Ah. The, the Pastor Bruce mentioned about the smoke damage. W- I wanted you guys to know, so you know that we're not throwing away valuable money that people donate to the congregation. The chairs in here are going to be replaced, but the insurance company is requiring us to change them. They're paying for them. Our insurance policy is paying for them. Just so you know that when you see them, it's going to take like, three months or four months to get new chairs here. The companies that make church chairs take a long time. So, but when they're changed out, understand it's not us just wanting to have nice new chairs. It's that they feel like the smoke is in the, the cushions, in the material, in the foam, and it can't be, rem- it can't be ta- removed. So we have to get rid of them in order to get the smell completely out. Uh, there may be a few other things that they're going to do. I know they're evaluating the carpet to see if the cleaning they did was enough they may end up deciding to change the carpets as well. Um, and they may even change the insulation in the ceiling. We don't know about that either. They're, they're supposed to be testing that to evaluate. So I wanted you guys to be aware that all these things are going on. And, and uh, so I uh, have one other request. You know, we have someone who has been dedicating a lot of time to that sound booth, uh, Becky. She has been up there every Sunday and every Wednesday at that computer month after month after month. And, you know, she has another full-time ministry here. I mean, she has the nursery and the toddlers. And her heart is to be there and to be able to interact with those parents, especially new families as they come in. She wants to be able to interact with them. But she's got a, a responsibility in the booth. If you could spare one Sunday a month, or one Wednesday, to take over that computer job, we, she'll train you. That's not a problem. But she really needs to be able to do the other things that God is calling her to do. So I encourage you, if, uh, if you think you can step up for just one Sunday a month or one Wednesday, uh, please come see me or see Becky. All right. Well, let's go ahead and pray over our offering. Father, we're just so thankful that... Here we are at the end of 2017. You have blessed us this year, and we thank you that we can come together and that we can give back to your kingdom today. 
And so, Lord, as we give with our tithes and our offerings today, we just ask that you would bless our giving in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, girls. You were awesome. Well, what a uh, pleasure it is to speak to you the last time this year. And uh, before I really start my message, I just want to kind of uh, do a little bit more talking about fasting. I know it can kind of scare us, especially after having such a couple of months of holiday feasting and all kinds of goodies. But... Um, we really want to take more of a relaxed uh, approach to fasting this year. You know, we want you to pick a day that's going to work for you. And if you can do two days, we're going to try maybe Thursday, Friday. But if something else works for you in the next couple of days or even uh, Thursday or Friday this week, please do it. I want to encourage couples, you know, married couples, that, uh, you know, often, even my, me and my wife, we try to pray about things together. But sometimes you could even just kind of just have your own prayer life. I want to encourage you to to talk together and think of things that you want to really uh, get some wisdom on or maybe you need a breakthrough that you consider taking a day, taking a couple meals, taking two days to fast and pray and see that God would break strongholds. You know, maybe it's things you've been praying about. Somehow when you fast, it just puts another, like, just an edge on it. You know, a lot of times in Psalms 50, uh, in Isaiah 58, it talks about why we fast. And sometimes it's just to humble ourselves, to, to break the pride, to break our soul down. And when you deny yourself food, that is the ultimate in breaking through the old man, the old nature. And a lot of times you don't feel the benefits when you fast. In fact, you're probably more grouchy, more grumpy, uh, more angry. Even in thinking about fasting, that's how I get. I get angry even knowing I'm going to fast. But when you start to fast, there just seems like a, a humbling that comes and your heart, your spirit is just supercharged with God's grace. And as you break the fast, you find that the grace of God is there. You find that wisdom of God unfolds. And there's this excitement for life. And then when you come back even to eating, there's a, a greater gratitude for the simple things that God gives us and, and having food to eat. We are so blessed. But also, you know, uh, the places of, um, of just breakthroughs, the places of just connecting your heart more with God, you know, in past years, we've done like, um, it's probably been maybe five years where we just kind of presented like the Daniel fast, where people actually took like 21 days and they readjusted their whole uh, thing where they just ate fruits and vegetables and they put away meat. Whatever you want to do, however you want to approach it, do it. Drink a lot of water. If you just completely uh, fast food, drink a lot of water. Your, your body needs it. It'll, it'll actually cleanse and process you know, some of the toxins out of your body. Um, try to 
take the time you would spend in food preparation, uh, shopping, to spend that time praying and just spending more time connecting with God, reading your Bible, being open so that your spirit is really allowing that place to have its ascendancy with God. Our soul is so strong, and uh, the things that we eat gives power to our choice and control, and it feeds our soul. But when we deny ourselves and our soul is just all agitated, we are giving way to our spirit in connecting with God. God is a spirit, and through Jesus Christ, we're born again. Our spirit is made alive, and so that's where our connection is, and so that's why we're fasting. So wh- however you want to do that, um, enjoy it. <laughs> it's easy to say it's hard to do, but you'll enjoy it after the benefits. And try to come out Wednesday night for, we do one hour, our Thrive Night, but it's going to be interesting teaching. Denise has really done good uh, uh, study, and she brings a lot of good information and things about fasting. So come and hear her on Wednesday nights. I, I was thinking about this, and I got up really early the other morning and just got and put this on my heart. Has any of you ever been in a place where maybe you're on vacation or maybe you're, maybe you're out in, in a lake or, you know, you're in a pool and you're just kind of floating, and you, you know that thing where you're just kind of, just resting you're just kind of in that water i heard there's like this new thing in spas now where you just kind of float suspended in the salt water i haven't done it but i've just heard about it it's that place of kind of maybe just letting go or have you ever been in a situation where you know you're caught up in a torrent of water like we've seen on tv in this past year where the flooding in different places where people are literally racing down a river and people are trying to reach out and grasp them those are terrifying situations. And I, I was really thinking, I felt like God put on my heart that, you know, a lot of times in our life, we are in seasons where we are in the flow of something and we cannot get out of it. We have no control over it. Sometimes it's a season of great joy, great excitement, great answers to prayer. Just there's a joy in life and we're just in that flow and uh, we'd like to stay in that flow forever. But, but I want you to remember something. Whatever that flow you're in, whatever current you find yourself in, the presence of God is there. The presence of God is with us. When we call on his name, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, when our spirit has been made alive and born again, according to like John 3, or that's awareness of the presence has increased because of our relationship with Christ and because of our ability to connect with him. Jack Willis, every time I, I call and talk to him, and those of you who are here know he comes at, at usually at, at uh, 4th of July and he speaks to us. And I've just known him for over 30 years, a powerful man of God, a very big evangelist. Everywhere he goes, he's passing out his cards and introducing people to Jesus. But he, I asked him what he thought about God's presence. And he said that we are to always remember to be aware of his presence because his presence is constant. And he also said, we tend to leave church and we turn off the presence of God. Or, you know, a problem comes up or a need comes up, and it's easy to just switch and be disconnected from that knowledge and that awareness that just because something challenging comes, God's presence doesn't leave us. Just because a feeling doesn't abide doesn't mean the presence of God has left us. And so we have to keep that awareness in our consciousness and be aware that he is in us by his presence and by his spirit. And so we walk by faith according to what Paul said because of that awareness. And things are always going to come to attack our faith and to make us doubt God or even to have those accusations against God because we're going through something we don't want to go through and it's difficult. And we think, well, where where did you go, Lord? Where's your presence at? If you're with me, those words that were given to us about blessing this year, and maybe you're going to have some experiences this week where maybe your salary is going to get cut or something. You're thinking, like, what happened? Where's the, where's the blessing? Where's the presence? Don't let the things that come against God's promises uh, make you doubt th- that God is not going to do something. God, he loves to rise above our circumstances and show himself strong and caring and that he is a God of blessing and he's a God who's present with us. I think we tend to separate the spiritual from the natural. You know, we're here in church, we're here for a little while, and then, but al- already, it happens to me too, I can get thoughts about what I'm going to do this afternoon or what I have to do or uh, a pressing problem or need. 
and we can get distracted from concentrating on, God, I want to receive your presence. And if you can keep practicing that every time you come to church that you are coming to receive, you're coming to just be open, you're coming to unload burdens and discouragements so that you're giving yourself a chance to connect with God. So he's downloading his presence into you that you have ears in your spirit open and attentive to hear what he's going to say to you personally. I have to say that feeling God's presence, I love it. In fact, two weeks ago, I was in my office studying, and I was just started crying because I was so thankful for you. I was so thankful that you show up on Sundays because without you, I wouldn't be challenged to pray and seek God, to hear God, to give you a message. And I, I thought, wow, God, in all the things I've done and the things I, I found joy in, even when I was working in the world, to be able to have the honor to hear God for you and to pray for you and be responsible for you, I was overwhelmed that I could focus my time on Jesus. So you guys have given me the greatest blessing in my life to focus on eternal things, to focus on spiritual things, and to wait on God and ask that the presence of God would come to you so that you could join me in your own faith, knowing that, hey, this God is real, and I've got to tell somebody about it because it's so real. Presence builds in followers the expectation for something more. When there's a ceiling in our, uh, our life or in our seasons, when there's a ceiling in our spiritual life, there is something that we can generate inside of us, and it's the expectation, like, God is not stagnant. God is not still. God is always on the move. He doesn't sleep. He's always aware of every situation. And that in itself can stir you and be excited about a new season and believing and praying that God would change things that will help you come to this greater expectation and to recognize what God's doing in your life, even though you may be going through a difficult time. So this is week nine in the pursuit of God's presence. And I hope you've been getting something out of it. And I hope you're aware that literally the presence of God has really increased over these months. Because we kind of started this in the middle of October. Remember we talked about Obed-Edom's family. They followed the Lord's presence after living under it for three months when the ark was left in their care. When you go back a little further in the book of Judges, the people had gone away from the worship of God and serving the Lord. Sin in the priesthood, the ark had been captured by the Philistines, and the Philistines had defeated the children of Israel in battle. They captured the ark, and yet in, in their presence, the ark caused tumors and boils and all kinds of distresses, so they sent the ark back to the children of Israel on a cart. And so the, because the Israelites were so disconnected spiritually, they had so lost their passion for God, they had so uh, gone away in their own heart that they sent the presence of God away for 20 years. And so when um, the ark was brought back because David wanted the ark, he wanted that presence as a leader over Israel, as a person who had a, a heart after God, he wanted to see the presence. And that presence was acknowledged through the ark that contained God's presence, that, that box covered with gold. And so he's bringing it back and he forgot how to do it. And so we know that Uzzah died, and he was so angry that he left it at the house of Obed-Edom. And so that was the challenge that we got from MFI in our pastor's conference this year, that Frank DiMaggio encouraged us all to spend three months focusing on the presence of God, the awareness of God's presence, and to be mindful of it and to seek it and to be conscious of it so that we might derive a benefit like Obed-Edom's family benefited that they were so accustomed in those three months' time of experience the presence of God that had been foreign for them. When you think about it, it had been separated from Israel for over 20 years, that now there was a new excitement. There was a new expectation that swept over the line. God, God had took them out of that season of uh, darkness, that season of oppression, that season of we, how we know what it is to be away from God. And many of us go through those stages where we have this relationship with God and then we, we backslide or we stop attending or we stop seeking, we stop reading and we disconnect. But then something awi arises inside if we realize, hey, I've left something important. And so we, we begin to go back to our first love. We begin to go back to those, those experiences that we had that initiated our faith in Christ and we return home. Now Satan 
would try to beat you down if you departed and you know you feel like you're unworthy we're, like Ruth said we're all unworthy and imperfect but it's so invited by God to us to accept him to ask for forgiveness and to start over again even if you have to do it every day times of refreshing Israel longed again for the presence so David goes and gets the ark again David's desire to have the presence of God lead them and to lead the nation of Israel that's a desire of spiritual leaders pastors and people who uh, make their living and who try to follow God that is our desire that people that you will experience the presence of God that you will be changed and transformed by God people like me want to see people so changed and transformed that the very motivation I had to follow God and to take on a spiritual call um, that that I did because I saw my pastor model it because I saw people around me grow up spiritually and make decisions that changed their whole life because they found there was something greater than the world could offer them and so they took on spiritual responsibility Israel's invitation to the presence in the wilderness just even going back where God took the children of Israel out of bondage but he initi initiated the sanctuary the place where people had and became accustomed of gathering to be around the presence of God. This is Exodus 24, 9 through 12. Then Moses, Aaron, and Nahab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel went up to the mountainside, and they saw the God of Israel. That is, they saw a convincing manifestation of his presence. And under his feet it was like a pavement of bright sapphire stone, like the very heavens in clearness something like Daniel saw some of the same description of this verse Daniel saw that when the heavens were open to him and he was doing his writings of the end times a convincing presence an experience with God that creates a foundation of our faith and a, and a new way to believe verse 11 and upon the nobles of the Israelites he laid not his hand to conceal himself from them to rebuke their daring or to harm them but they saw the manifestation of the presence of God and ate and drank. You know, God had, had just warned them in the previous verses, and he warned Moses that no one was to approach him but Moses. That's Exodus 24, 2. Moses alone shall come near the Lord. The other shall not come near, and neither shall the people come up with him. That's kind of a confusing message, isn't it? God says, no one comes up but you. And yet, we see these people rise up and come forward to meet with God. But God did not stop them. He did not kill them. He did not rebuke their desire and their daring to come into his presence. To me, it shows that people will take a risk to press in to know God. There was something in the heart of those nobles, those leaders, to press past those bounds there was something initiated in their heart. Perhaps it was the great deliverance they had just gone through coming out of Egypt and now coming before this mountain that was on fire, that had lightnings and thunderings, and even the boundary, don't come up. There was something in their heart. There was something replacing the bondage, something replacing they were, they were no longer uh, in slavery, they were no longer working, and this whole focus was now spiritual. God had come to Israel. God had delivered them with great deliverances. And God was showing them there was something more for their life than just hard bondage. And he was inviting them to come into his presence. And so they dared to pass and go beyond that warning. I, I pray today that God would cause you to move past whatever resistance is in your own mind, whatever doubts or unbelief, whatever uh, prayers that are unanswered, that you would dare to say, nothing's going to separate me from this God who sent Jesus to die for me. And I want your presence, God. I want everything you have for me. I want you with a desperation, God, like nothing else I've ever wanted. <clears throat> presence for purpose. Exodus twenty four twelve, And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me into the mountain and be there, and I will give you tables of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. We gather in church 
we gather around his presence. He was inviting them and initiating this tabernacle in the wilderness so that they would have a place to gather, to learn how to worship him. They were learning to receive God in, in a spiritual nature that they didn't even understand was dead. They were learning to approach a God who at that time was really not unapproachable because of sin. They were going to initiate sacrifices of animals and the blood that temporarily wiped out and covered their sin just temporarily so that God could come close to his people. And they would feel some kind of newness in their, inside their spirit that they had never felt before. Can you imagine what they carried in knowing the bondage? And yet something was awakening inside of them. Something so fulfilling that nothing else could fulfill. That's what God was trying to do. And in that place where we come, that's where we come. We come with expectation that God's going to speak to us. I've told you this before. I remember going to church, but some of the most profound times I remember are times not that I remember what our pastor spoke about, but being in the presence of God, I remember, and I wrote down in a journal the things God spoke to me. Things he said to me about my future, which I had no reason to believe would ever come to pass, that God would use me, that God would call me into ministry, but I would write down when he would say things to me. I would write down when he, when he would say to me, I, was, I remember I was driving at work and uh, on the site delivering something, and I remember he said to me, I am making you a leader. I thought, me, a leader? God, I'm just a janitor, I'm a truck driver. What do you mean you're making me a leader? And then to grow and see the times I've failed, the mistakes I've made, the judgment calls I didn't judge right, and yet God's been faithful to keep working on me to make me the leader he wanted me to be. And that's the place he invites us to keep drawing in and getting close to him so that he could work what he wants to work in our life and use our life the way into his pleasure. But it's so important when we all gather together. The presence of God manifested among the nobles and leaders allowed a trust in Moses. See, God was a doing a two things. God had already established Moses and Aaron as the leaders over Israel. But when he invited the nobles and the other leaders among the people, it was, it was people that were already rising in their rank, and they had influence over the different uh, family units and members of the different tribes of Israel. And so when God allowed them to come into the mountain, they saw the glory of God. They saw and experienced a manifested presence, but it was also to echo and affirm that God had called Moses and Aaron. And it was for them to really be able to link with Moses and Aaron about the call of God which they were taking on to influence the people around them to trust God, to trust Moses, and to trust Aaron that they were truly leading the people of God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's interesting that an experience with God can change your life. An experience with God can so dim everything else that goes on Build a sanctuary in Exodus 25, 8. And God said to Moses, Let them, the children of Israel, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. I call it the first church building. Again, the point of gathering, a reason to gather. Think of what would life would be about or how would we be spiritually if we didn't have a place to connect, if we didn't have a place to build relationships to learn how to be a part of the body of Christ where we interact, where our gifts are used, just like being able to have an open mic where people in this church who are growing in God can hear God and then share with others. According to 1 Corinthians 14, this is how the New Testament church is supposed to operate. And that's why we have church, a place for us to learn and grow spiritually together, a place for God to manifest his presence and develop spiritual gifts in us. In Hebrews 8, 1 through 2, now the main point of what we have to say is this. We have such a high priest, which is Jesus Christ, one who is seated at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. As officiating priest, Jesus is a minister in the holy places and in the true tabernacle, which is erected not by man, but by God. And it is really my belief that God's desire was to have this church established. You know, we're starting to work on our 19th year. And I tell you, I would not have quit my job on my own to start this church. But I knew it was the heart of God because of, it was things that he put on my heart. It was things that 
were spoken over me in prophetic conferences. It was things that were nurtured by my pastors nurturing my spiritual gifts and giving me opportunities to say yes to the Lord. It was by me wrestling with God when he told me he didn't want me in secular work anymore, and I would have these arguments with him. There was no place for me to go. There's nothing for me to do like this, God. Leave me alone. But to see how God, when he has a plan, he initiates something, and he causes things to move so that you move into that place which seems impossible. That's how we know the presence of God is real, and worshiping God is one of the greatest things. And here am I thinking, too, I thought, like, man, I've been in church my whole life. Do we really need another church? I had to laugh at myself because this is what God wanted. So here I am. And thank you for all of you who are here for coming and those who lead with us for saying yes to God and spending your time and your money and your effort and your energy to come and put into this church, into the people around here. Jesus established his church. It's universal. It's local. He's in it. He's the priest over this church. It is him that we come to worship. I or someone like me may stand in this place just to have someone to kind of lead. But it's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus on the throne that meets with us when we gather together with him. The children of Israel had just been saved from a life of bondage. You could say they were, had a born-again experience. They had a new opportunity to live life differently. God had been their Savior. God had revealed himself to them in Egypt and the exodus of Egypt. Since the false gods in Egypt had been proven false, why should Israel not worship and serve God? You might say that God cleared their schedule of hard bondage in Egypt, that he might feed their spirit and their heart. The Lord's presence should take us somewhere. Presence has a dual purpose. Presence motivates the heart and moves the body to act. Presence leads us to make others followers. Presence, other purpose is to gather and keep experiencing his presence and for others to experience him. Do you realize the fact that you come to church and maybe you say, I haven't felt God in years, but the fact that you keep coming, you pray, you give, do you realize you're setting up and you're keeping the atmosphere of God's presence in this place? Hillside's dual purpose is in action. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You know, we foc- focus a lot over the years on meeting natural needs and helping people and work- working with people in the jail and having our men's home, having our women's home. And some of you are involved in our jail ministry today and uh, the teen recovery. These are like outreaches. We give to the community. We've given to different organizations to help people in their practical needs. But something I've seen this year has been such a blessing, and that's spiritual ministry. It's nice to feed people. It's nice to help people. But we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to get people saved. We don't want people just fed and doing good and die without Jesus. But we want them to experience the power of who Jesus is. We want them to experience that life-transforming power that we've experienced in the change of life, the, the leaving of addictions, the leaving of old ways and habits and generational things that were passed on to us that we might live a spiritual life. And this year, with all the things that have gone on and all the negative things that have happened, we have been doing that. Having a group of people go through when we had our refresh and get prayed and prophesied over and get spiritual strength. And now having a team develop that goes, we were able to go with Gateway in the beginning of December and pray over people who were coming out of uh, one of the uh, Cathedral Faith East Campus um, churches come and get prayer ministry. That was incredible to see our people praying over people, having prophetic words, having, having things challenged in people, and people going away feeling so blessed because we have people who are spiritually discerning and growing. People with that prophetic edge can speak into people's life and bring hope and bring joy. That is, to me, probably some of the greatest fruit we have seen this year because of all that we've gone through and what we've waited on and what we've tried to do to see people grow in God. But I have to tell you, 
in the last couple weeks, I have been so disturbed. I was so discouraged. I had missed pre-service. I had missed intercessory prayer for like three weeks. I had so many things going on in my life that I was discouraged about. You know, I had gone through probably a few years where I'd see a challenge and I'd just, I'd step back and I'd think like, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? And then God would move. But I tell you, in the last few months, I have not seen things move like they usually move. It's almost like I feel the anxiety about a situation. I see the problems in a situation and I have that ache in my heart and it doesn't move. And then without anything changing, I'm able to transition it and cast that anxiety anxiety on the Lord. I found that me and Dory together, at times we are so under stuff and we just pray and then it lifts. And I seem like I rise above whatever it is, even those things that aren't changing. And I feel like God has been using those things this year, things that I cannot change, to help me to rise above and walk in that faith. And I think he's going to do it for all of us because we live in desperate times. But God wants to give you an ability to pray and cast that anxious thing over on him. And even if you don't see it change, somehow you rise above the effect on your emotions, the effect on your thinking, the effect on your faith and your outlook and what would steal your joy. And that's what he's calling us to in these times that can be so dark. But anyway, I was feeling heavy. On December 7th, we had a fire in our in our kitchen. And, you know, we talked, you heard a couple weeks ago how, you know, there were people who really stepped up and Joe ripped that microwave out of the, out of the kitchen and took it out and, you know, it caught fire later. But, I mean, wow, the smoke damage and things we've dealt with. And so I came to sit. On the 21st, on Thursday the 21st, I came to sit with the intercessors, and I was so discouraged. I was so discouraged. My heart was so heavy. And someone wanted to talk about the fire, and he said, I don't even want to talk about the fire. Let's just pray. And then the intercessors, man, what a group of women who, who connect us with God and pray for us and pray for our leaders. What what a what a bolstering happened as prayer was going on. Donna just started praying out and Lita that, you know, the atmosphere is in this place. The atmosphere is this presence is in here. We've been talking about it here for eight weeks. The atmosphere of God's presence is here. And you know, you can be going through things and not feel the atmosphere, but it doesn't mean the atmosphere is not here because we're praying for it. Not just praying for to be in this building, but praying because of the people who are here needing to feel the presence of God. And Donna just prays. There was two workers from Serpro working in the kitchen. And doors were all shut. And she prayed, let God's presence touch those people working in that kitchen area. And so we're just going on praying. And then all of a sudden, Do- Donna goes, there's a person that wants to talk to you. So I went out there. And it was a person who hasn't been in our church for probably maybe 10, 11 years. And he just came to, to tell me that, you know, you know, I, I was the first person you married here in this church, and I just want to tell you, you know, even though my wife divorced me and I haven't seen my kids in years, that, you know, I'm still serving God. I love God, and I just want to thank you for, you know, the time I was here in church and, you know, the things I learned. You know, so what a, what a blessing to hear that people are drawing on spiritual things, even though they're not with us, that deposits have been made by you, by your service, by your giving, by your staying faithful when nothing you can change in your life, when you're just floating down that torrent uh, river where you don't know where it's taking you, but you know you have no control. And I came back in, and as I was going to come in, there was this another man, Jaime. He's been doing some work here with Sir Pro, and he said, hey, Carmen's in the kitchen, and she wants to talk to you. And this lady, Carmen, she came on the 8th, the very next day after the fire, and she was very informative. She's telling me all that she's going to do. She was like the team leader uh, for their group. And, you know, I just like kind of took a burden on my heart, and I had been praying for her, and, you know, she's just, you know, saying what was going on. So so I, I left the guy in the, the left and said goodbye to him, gave him a hug, and then I went into the kitchen, and uh, I was just so aware. As soon as I went in, I was aware I felt like God wanted me to pray for her that day. And so I'm talking to her, and, you know, I'm saying, man, Carmen, you 
I can't believe she, you know, she was coughing the first day she was here. The smoke was so bad in that room. And I said, Carmen, how, how are you doing with being in this smoke and having to be in these conditions? You're in toxic conditions all the time, and you work all the time. And she said, uh, I said, do you get regular medical checkups? Are, you, are, you, are people checking out your lungs? She goes, oh, yeah, I go to the doctor regularly. And, um, and then she just started opening up and talking to me. And she said, you know, I work all I can, and sometimes I get called after a full day's work until at 11 o'clock they call me, and I'll go work on another fire or another you know, d- water damage or something. And she said, I have three kids, and one of them is a 16-year-old, a teenager, and one's five and one's 12. And, you know, I try to do all I can for my, my kids. My husband divorced me four years ago, and I'm a single mom. And I said, Carmen, I really believe that God wants to bless you and take care of you. And um, I feel like I'm supposed to pray. And then by then, Jaime comes in. He says, yeah, you know, could you pray for Carmen? And uh, I said, yeah, I felt like I was supposed to pray. So I just began to pray. As soon as I began to pray, she just broke. She just started crying. Just broke under the weight of what she'd been carrying. But she started saying, I don't know what's going on. I'm starting to feel God. And I never felt God like this. And she's just just crying and crying and just we're just praying over her, praying over her. Then I said, you know what? You have to come out and let the intercessors pray for you, Carmen. I said, they said today that somehow the presence of God is going to is going to affect the God let your presence affect them. So I brought her out and she dropped her on her knees over here and she just continued to cry. And uh, Anna started speaking to her in Spanish and uh and the, the girls gathered around her and just started praying interceding and then when she got up she said i have never felt like this before i have never felt the presence of god like this in my life what is going on and she was just like uh, this joy was over her face and you know when she was down i just was praying rejection off of her because i know she's been through a lot of rejection and you know the load that she's carried in she just got up and then she uh, uh donna says to her donna says uh, can you just not go back to work and can you just sit in a chair for a while and so she's they pull the chair out and she just sits down in a chair and they start praying and this girl i tell you this girl was unloaded she unloaded some huge burdens she just dumped so much but we said you know carmen god wants now he wants to infill you god wants to fill you up you've had a lot of things come off you today but he wants to fill you up and so again they gather around they start praying and Donna gets next to her, just kind of puts her arm around her, and then ha- Carmen puts her head on on Donna's side. And I thought it's like there it is, the spiritual mother of Israel, with God's daughter under her arm, and she just was receiving and receiving and receiving from God's presence. And when she got up, she said, "I had such a tension in my neck and my shoulder, and it's gone." I go, "What?" She goes, "I've never experienced anything like this before." And it's because God is coming to us. It's because God's coming to people. It's because the presence of God wants to do things in people's lives, in our lives. He wants to do something in your life. Why? Because you need a fresh witness. Again, I was sitting in here. I didn't feel God's presence that day. I felt like that prophetic in me was working. I had awareness that this lady God wanted to touch. But I didn't feel anything. But I tell you, I was so joyful. I said, okay. And when that fire happened, I said, how can this work for good? What are you going to do out of this? And I say, when Carmen got touched, I said, God, the place could have burned down. But it was for that lady to come and experience God's presence and to be touched. It was worth it. God, it is worth it. I tell you, God wants to take things that are so devastating to us. And he wants to show them he is working it for good. But we have to dare to believe that the presence of God is with us and the presence of God wants to expand and rise bigger than it's ever been. That the things that we're involved with spiritually have more value than anything else that's trying to distract us. Sorry about that. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to our fathers by the prophets, has these last days spoken to us by the Son, who has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. It is the manifested Jesus that comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
that makes Jesus just as real as when he walked the earth, just as real as when he healed the blind people, when he raised the dead. That's the Jesus that now has entered into our heart, the Ark of the Covenant. He lives inside of us. The presence of God cannot separate us. The reality of life, the negative things cannot separate you from the presence of God. But it is time for us to rise above our circumstances, rise above our doubts, rise above our discouragement, and come together more and more as a body to hold each other up. And I feel like as we go into this new year, I feel like I have, I want to start talking about the power of prayer in agreement. The power when we pray with people who are in our church, who we can trust, and how God answers us. I've seen more answers this last year by other people praying for my needs than me praying for my needs. And I feel like we're going to see some kind of an explosion go on here where we are trusting each other and we are a tighter body, but God is changing people's lives. This is the spirit age. The promise of the Lord's abiding presence. Jesus said this to the disciples and to us. He promised this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need this more than ever. You need the spirit of truth. I need the spirit of truth because the enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver and he's working and he's coming to delude his people. He's already got the world. He's not worried about how they think, but he's coming to delude you as a believer. He's trying to get a false truth. He's trying to get your own thinking going on. He's trying to manipulate you so that your decisions are actions that you think you're blessed by God. You need to really have God at the root of everything. And you need the wisdom of Christians around you to speak into your life so that every area is covered, that you're not walking in any deception. He, the Spirit, when he comes, will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Isn't that powerful? To know that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring something he's even conjuring up, but he only brings from Jesus and the Father what you need to hear. Talk about insider trading. Talking about truth when we are so confused by the information that we're bombarded with and the things the internet puts out as truth that are lies that we need to know what the truth is. And we need that clarity to come into our mind because it's so key in how we believe. Our faith is messed with by unbelief and by news that tries to distract us from the truth or get us so overwhelmed that all we do is curl up and draw back. No, we need to rise up against every negative feeling and everything that brings confusion to us that we might receive and walk in the truth because of the presence of God wanting to speak truth to us. In Acts uh, 1, 4 through 5, once Jesus, once when Jesus was eating with them after his resurrection, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames and tongues of fire appeared to them on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. This is the season of the Holy Spirit. This is the season of His presence. Will you stand with me? We're going to open up the altars. And it might be a good time for you. This is the last day of the year for you to just dump on the Lord every feeling, every attitude. If you have any even uh, offense with God or offense with another person, leave it at this altar. Say, I want to surrender this year. I want to surrender my disappointments. I want to surrender my anxiety or my anxiousness. I want to surrender even my disappointment in you, God, that somehow I got mad at you about something, and I want to leave it at the altar today because I want to start 2018 in faith. I want to believe that your presence is on me. I want to believe you're doing profound things. I believe my life is not finished. I believe I have a destiny. I believe that you want to use me in a powerful way. I believe I have a voice. God, I want you to move on me, that I have a witness and I pray that you would just fill me again with your spirit, that you would renew my witness of you, that I could tell other people, 
Lord, open up my mouth that the words that would come to my heart, the words that would come up out of my spirit will be words of life to speak to people. That you will be able to open your mouth where you've been intimidated to be able to tell someone about Jesus or even to have that sensitivity like, ha- like I had, like that lady needed prayer and to just simply pray for a person that God brings around you. On my right, which is your left, you can just come and no one's going to bother you. You can just meet with God, dump your problems off, or talk to God however you want. On my left, your right. If you want someone to pray for you, people will pray. Whatever you need to do, do it.